Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Third and Central Podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Live from the burn. Here's your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is Matt Sefkovic, and as always, I am joined by Aaron Turner. Aaron, I know we are eight games into the season. Started off on a losing streak, lost four games, but now Louisville's battled back. They've won four in a row, and in the words of Lou Brown, that's called a winning streak. We're getting back on the right foot. We are heading into another homestand this weekend with Youngstown State. But before we jump into that, I do want to let everyone know that Aaron and I, we started this, I don't know, years ago now. We've been talking about college baseball on the podcast and through Twitter, gotten to know each other that way. But for the first time over the weekend against St. Bonaventure, I can let everyone know that I'm not being catfished. Aaron is a real person. I am a real person. We finally got to meet and watch a game together, and Louisville beat St. Bonaventure. So it was good to meet Aaron, good to meet his dad, who both came in from St. Louis. So glad to finally meet you and um, enjoy a baseball game together. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Absolutely enjoy my time in Louisville every time I'm there. Honestly, wish I lived a lot closer than living in St. Louis, but absolutely enjoy enjoy, it. enjoyed the games and enjoyed spending time with you, spending time with my dad. And was very thankful that the day before we came, found out we we're watching three games instead of two. So that was even better. I said, that was, a, that was pretty good news for you coming in on a Friday. I thought you were going to get to watch one game on Friday, one game on Saturday and head back home. And then they announced they were playing a doubleheader on Friday. So um, I'm, I'm glad the weather that you all had on Friday was much better than, than what we saw on Saturday. It was, it was clear skies. The, the, the sun came out from time to time, but I, the thermometer said it was about 38 degrees. By by my watch, what what I felt, it was about 10 at Jim Patterson Stadium. So I, I don't know what thermometer they were using, but it was absolutely freezing. I know we talked about it while we were there. Nothing compared to the Michigan game that you came into where the, there was snow and you could barely see the baseball. But yeah. nonetheless, it was a cold day, but it was a win at Jim Patterson Stadium. At the end of the day, that is what matters. Yep, does not get any better than that. And shout out to those of you who uh, who braved that cold with us. Yeah, I, I look at the attendance in the box score, and I think it was four hundred and something. And um, you know, you look at that number, and you're like, wow, that's low. But when you look at the conditions, it's like you know, not not many crazy people are going to go watch a baseball game in thirty degree weather in Kentucky in February. So we'll wait for the colder or the warmer weather to um, head our way. But in the meantime, we are going to change some things up for the podcast tonight just so you all know you know typically Aaron and I have a kind of a bullet uh list of um, items that we're going to go over and talk about but tonight we decided we're just going to kind of have a conversation about what the state of the season is right now we're eight games in we'll just beat eastern Kentucky but kind of how we got where we are first um we're four and four lost the first four games won the next four games so it's, it's kind of been 
a, an odd season. Went down to Tampa to start the season, as many of you know, just a quick rundown. Lost to Indiana State 7-8, to eight, lost to Connecticut 3-4, to four, and then the final game against South Florida was canceled down there. So I only got to play two of the three in South Florida. Uh, Louisville came home and got beat by Xavier 9-1, to one, which was kind of a – that was a, that was a tough one to swallow on a Wednesday night, the home opener. I was at that game as well. And then St. Bonaventure came in for four games. And like we talked about, they played um, two on Friday, then one on Saturday, one on Sunday. And Louisville got beat on the first game of that doubleheader, which was a seven-inning game on Friday afternoon, a score of four to three. So um, that was a tough one. You know, this is a St. Bonaventure team that the past couple years, I think the last three years, they've won 15 games total. Um, seven, eight, and five, if I'm not mistaken. So th- this is no no juggernaut by any stretch of imagination. That that's going to be a, a quad four loss. It just is. You know, St. Bonaventure is not. They're not going to creep up any higher than quad four. So that that's going to be a tough pill to swallow as we get down to at the end of the season when you're looking at Louisville's resume. So I bounce back on uh, the next three games of the series. Beat St. Bonaventure and then uh, continued the streak on Tuesday evening with a 12-3 win over Eastern Kentucky. So let's just kind of hop in. Um, so far through eight games, we're four and four. But what what is your outlook on the season up to this point? Gosh, that is such a loaded question. I feel like we've seen some very low lows for this team. We've seen some very high highs. Right now, I'm feeling good. I, I don't know if, if you're feeling the same way, but at four and four could definitely be feeling a lot worse than I am right now. I think a big thing for me is figuring out who's playing where, where they're going to be in the lineup and who has some more defined roles, especially out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, I, we'd see this every year with Dan, you know, mixing and matching the lineups in non-conference play. I think he's got a little bit more, options this year a, a very good mix of you know returning uh upperclassmen as well as underclassmen who are chomping at the bit for any any sort of playing time and so there's an interesting dynamic there trying to balance out those guys figure out what the best nine is and you know i think that i you know it might be a little bit before we see a more concrete lineup although i will say I think that was one of our issues last year is never really coming to a lineup that you know we felt worked. I think we were mixing and matching pretty much all season, and some of that was due to injury as well. But I think this year I'd like to see you know a little bit more of a concrete lineup, something that you can almost bet on pretty much day in and day out as we roll in the conference play. And I think you're spot on with that. I think seeing that concrete lineup is what we need for consistency purposes. But I think you also touched on something that we, we battled last year was the injury bug too, right? And we, we've seen a little bit of that already this year. You know, Dylan Hoy, we haven't we didn't see him. We saw him against Xavier and haven't seen Hoy since. He didn't play the four games against St. Bonaventure. He didn't play in the game against EKU. We saw Patrick Forbes not play down in Florida. So we we've started to see some of that already. We um Zion Rose did not play down in Florida. Anderson, Brandon Anderson did not play down in Florida. And 
he's swinging a hot bat, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But so, you know, getting these guys back and getting the nucleus back on the field that Dan McDonald wants. But I think you're right. It's it's going to take some time this year because this team is different. We've got a lot of returning veterans, you know, six or seven that started in the field last year that are back on this year's team. But we, we, we've talked about this in the past. They're, they're returning from a team that didn't make the conference tournament. And there's a lot of pressure because the last two recruiting classes, the current freshmen and the current sophomores, those classes were loaded. There's a lot of talent um, at a lot of different positions on the field. So they are now getting to take advantage of, you know, some of the the play from the juniors and seniors where, um, you know, they weren't putting the ball in play. They weren't moving the baseball. They were making errors, making base running mistakes. Dan McDonald isn't going to put up with that stuff this year. You know, I, I think last year, um, I don't want to say he had to, but there weren't maybe as many readily available options where this year we've seen in the first eight games that there's plenty of options and he's not scared to pull anybody at this point in time. It doesn't matter if you've been in this program for four years or if this is your second weekend with the program, it, it doesn't appear so far that he is, you know, going to ride anybody out unless they are worthy of that bats in the playing time. So I think that's kind of where we are, but as far as when we see that concrete lineup, I don't really know when that's going to come because of just the injury bug and, you know, getting um, getting everybody in a groove and getting everybody the opportunities to to earn that spot in the lineup. You know, you talk about the injury bug and how it's affected the team both last year and this year. And I'm keeping my eye on second base right now because Dylan Hoy is currently injured, but it's not a serious injury. Alex Alisea swinging a very hot bat, absolute spark plug, plays a, a great second base, taking extra bases, doing everything that you would want a freshman to do out there. So now it comes, you know, here comes the question. What do you do when Dylan Hoy gets back? We saw him play third base very briefly down in Tampa, but you got Brandon Anderson who's swinging a hot bat right now at third base. So, you know, that that's kind of in the back of my mind is what direction does – does Dan go whenever you have a fully healthy squad? And I think that's a that's a valid point. I mean, how, how do you take Alisea out of the lineup at this point in time? You know, he's hitting 389, which is fourth best on the team for qualified batters. And we, we sat there from the stands at Jim Patterson Stadium last weekend, and the name we just kept talking about over and over was Alex Alisea. I mean, every time he did something, um, I, I feel like we just said his name the whole game offensively defensively um, on the base pass. Like he it, it just seems like right now he's doing everything right. So I think it's going to be tough when you've got somebody like that, who is a freshman uh, with somebody like Dylan Hoy, who he's new to the program. You know, this is his first year, but he was named a captain basically as soon as he got here. So at what route does Dan go? You know, you, you've got four games in a week, so you can split them two and two if you want to. But neither one of those guys are going to be a DH, right? So they either have to be on the field or not. They're not. They're, you're not going to DH one of those two. So it's just uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what Dan is going to do because um, it, you know when Hoy comes back, he's going to be in a predicament on who who's going to play second base. The the pressure's on. You know, you know, you can move Hoy over to third base, DH Brandon Anderson, but who who gets and the axe right there because. 
you know, DHing recently. We saw uh, Lucas Moore DHing today against Eastern Kentucky. He he's usually going to be out there playing center field. If it seems like right now he's swinging a hot bat too. But Zion Rose at DH, you know, do you, do you take a bats away from him? He looks really good right now too. Uh, so it, it definitely uh, definitely a tough situation. One that I don't. I'm I'm thankful that. I don't have to be the one that makes that decision because I'm I'm not sure what I would do, honestly. I think the good thing about all this is right now that we have the options, right? It, it, it's better to have too much talent than not have enough. But the, the you know the, the problem you have with having too much talent that that, that probably sounds silly to, when I say it out loud, but the problem is you you know anytime something doesn't go your way, do you second guess that decision? Well, I should have played so-and-so instead of who you did play because um, you had you had so much talent sitting down your bench. So just curious to see how he's going to manage this. And I, I think um, I think with the amount of talent we have, at, at least we have the options down there. So just um, excited to see where it goes because I think there's about 100 different lineup combinations that we could play this year and I would be okay with. So I, I just – Curious to see how Dane's going to handle these next couple of weeks before we get into conference play. I mean, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't agree more. And you know, we talk a lot about the good and, and the the amount of depth that we have. <laughs> Offense has been showing up the last four games, but let's talk about the bad for a second. What are what are some things that you think could be a little bit concerning so far through the first eight games of the year? Yeah, so I, I think the thing that sticks out to me probably the most is just the lack of power that we've seen. So far through eight games, you know, we've hit uh, four home runs. It's probably silly to say after you saw J.T. Minson hit a ball 460 feet today and uh, Brandon Anderson about knocked the foul pole over with a home run that he hit. So, um, that you know, seeing what we saw today out of those two, um, that's exciting. But four home runs in eight games especially against, you know, the, the type of talent that we've seen so far. I think I think that's a little bit concerning. And we saw that same concern last year. You know, that's something we talked about going into 2024 was the lack of power from last year's lineup and trying to figure out who it was going to come from this season. You know, 2023 was the first season that since, since Dan's been at Louisville that the pitching staff, we actually allowed more home runs than our offensive players hit. So, I think that is a concern right now. We're last in the conference in home runs. So that, you know, it's, it's early in the season, but eight games in against some of the talent we play, you like to see that number just a little bit higher. But on the flip side, as a team, we're batting 348. So you, you can't be upset about those numbers. Uh, I think the other thing to me would just be the pitching inconsistency. Now, I and mean, we've seen a lot of new arms that we haven't seen on the mound in a Louisville jersey before, but right now through eight games and again against the competition that we've seen we have a five and a half era and opponents are batting before the eku game 282 against us looks like that dropped to 275 Um, but entering the eku game that was the highest um, opponents batting average in the acc so i think those two things watching the game stick out the most to me i would say beyond that just some of the base running mistakes that we've made. You know, since Dan has been here, that's something he's taken a lot of pride in. He, he personally coaches the base runners. That That's that's part of what he does. So I think just seeing us make 
errors on the base path is frustrating as a fan. Um, it's also very frustrating. And Dan's talked about in post game a couple of times. It's frustrating for him, especially to see it some, from some of our veteran guys. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're you're spot on right there, and kind of took my my answer, you know, myself here too. I think, you know, what concerns me the most right now are seemingly stupid mistakes. Um, you know, we've seen pop flies drop on the infield. You know, routine plays that don't look so routine. People getting picked off, kind of looking just a little lackadaisical on the base pass. Both, you know, excuse me both on the base paths and, you know, playing defense. So, you know, that, that's a little bit concerning right now. I don't really know, know what an explanation could be for that other than, you know, hopefully you're working on a lot of base running drills in practice. Um, and I would say that the power thing is a little bit concerning for me too. Um, I, but just to play devil's advocate here, you know, when we played St. Bonaventure last weekend, you know, it's very hard to turn a, a 77 mile an hour fastball 400 feet. That That's just, that's a very difficult thing to do. I would imagine that whenever we start getting into, you know, even playing a North a school like Northwestern here in a couple of weeks, something a little bit higher, you know, you got higher velocity pitchers out there and something that, that you're more likely going to see an ACC play. I think the power numbers are going to start to to tick up as well. And then just looking at the pitching staff, I think I do think you know, I'm a very I'm a very big pitching guy myself. Love evaluating the pitchers, taking a deep dive on that. I do think that there are, is a concern right there. Uh, but just like I I reiterated on earlier, I think there's a lot of open roles, a lot of guys who aren't in defined roles yet. Uh, you know, you got Jake Caraba, for example, who started his entire career up until he gets to Louisville and now has to go be a reliever. And his numbers don't look great right now, but at the same time, you got to think, okay, now, you know, you're you're in a reliever's routine instead of a starter's routine. That's something that's very different. He's going to find something that works for him, and I I still imagine that he's going to be a, a dominant pitcher here for us too. Um, so I, I would just say that whenever we get into these more defined roles, hopefully, we got guys stepping up and and can start putting up some more power numbers to the plate and. You know, lowering the the team URA on the mound. No, I think so too, and I think you're spot on with Caraba. I really, I really do like him. I think we've seen glimpses of him. You know, his strikeout numbers look pretty good so far in the limited action that we've seen. Just got to get the ERA down. But like you said, changing your role from a starting pitcher to a relief pitcher that's challenging. That's not an easy thing to do. So I think just um, having that shift in mindset will go uh, go a long way with Caraba. You know, you know, one more thing I want to add on to the the power numbers. When you look at this lineup, I see a lot of guys who I don't think their strength are is particularly being a power hitter. I think there are a few guys who probably should be putting up some good home run numbers, and I, I do think there's going to be a couple guys who improve on their home run numbers from last year. I think JT Benson takes a step forward in the home run numbers. Brandon Anderson for sure takes a, a big step forward in home run numbers. I think he projects very well as a home run hitter. But on the flip side of that, you've got you know you've got your Gavin Keelans, your Alex Alasayas, Dylan Hoy when he's healthy. Um, you know guys like that are are not particularly you know they're not home run hitters. Lucas Moore, another guy for example, who have had very good offensive starts to the season, but 
are not necessarily home run hitters. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if, if you have a group of guys who are going to single and double you to death all day, that's perfectly fine. But you have to be able to string those, those hits together and, and work on that timely hitting instead of having to rely on the home run ball. Um, and you, fans obviously love the the home run ball everybody likes to to see a, a long 450 foot home run but at the end of the day it doesn't always win baseball games and there's more than one way to win a baseball game and i think that the group of guys that we have on the field right now are a pretty good formula for winning baseball games regardless of the power numbers showing up or not yeah i think that's a that's valid you know we, we've seen dan mcdonald during his time here win in a variety of ways, you know, he's, he's had to adjust to the the different balls and the different bats and the, the changes over the years. You know, he's he's had teams that have made it to Omaha via the long ball. We've had teams that made it to Omaha, you know, via bunting and stealing bases and, you know, you know, playing small ball like Dan McDonald, like, like we've become accustomed to with his style. So I, I think it's, I think you're spot on. We do have a good mix. And, and one player that I do want to talk about, is Luke Napleton, you know, transfer from Quincy University, who was all world everything up there, uh, you know, led the country with 29 home runs, 87 RBIs at Quincy and D2. And here it it, it kind of looks like, and I, I've seen a lot of people talk about this and watching him, it looks like he has more of a gap to gap approach. You know, he hit, a, he hit a home run the other day, but it was to right center. And and that, that's that's fine. We don't we don't need him to. Well, I'd love for him to hit 29 home runs, but taking the jump from D2 to ACC, that that's not super realistic. So, you know, if, if we've got guys that are, you know, hitting gaps and we can see uh, a bunch of cats loose in the alley, like Sean Moth likes to tell us, we, we can win a lot of baseball games that way. So I'm a OK if that is the the approach. We don't we don't have to have huge power numbers to win baseball games. Like Dan says, you just got to get on base and move the baseball. So if, if we can win like that. It, it doesn't matter as long as there's more wins in the left column. There are losses in the right column. That's that's the end of the day what matters. So we've, we've kind of talked about some things that we've seen that, you know, we'd like to, this team to work on or maybe some things they need to improve on through eight games. So on the flip side of that, what, what makes you optimistic through eight games that we've seen so far? Uh, two things. I First of all, I'm a huge fan of starting pitching. A very, very big fan of the the guys that we were running out there on the weekend. Uh, you go get Sebastian Gagora out of the portal. Was this kind of our first go around at taking a crack on some guys in the portal? And I think that Sebastian was a home run. You know, we already knew that we had him on the pod during the offseason, but now we get to see him go in game action. Uh, Velo is up from what I expected it to be. He was. You know, I think his first two outings, he was up to 95, 96 in the first inning. It was still, you know, that 93 to 94 guy, even in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning. Um, off speed looks electric. He's an absolute bulldog out there. Love the competitiveness that I've seen out of Gongora. Uh, I love Patrick Forbes. You know, we saw him take a huge step forward in the Cape Cod League last year. And now he's kind of stepping into what looks like a weekend rotation role for the time being. Uh, he coming back off of injuries, so he's a little bit, you know, limited in how many innings he's going to go right now. We might not see the full potential in him yet, uh, but I I do think that's another guy who's an absolute workhorse. Going to love seeing him him work on the mound, and you know, we just saw the debut of Parker Devers as well. Parker looks absolutely dominant too. 
you know, he, he goes out in a debut against St. Bonaventure, uh, you know, so take it for what it's worth, but he's definitely got the stuff of a college baseball player. And I absolutely love it. I think that he, he can be just as good as, as his brother Reed, if he wants to, um, Hey, you got Carson Liggett going in the midweek right now. Evan Webster just putting together some really nice innings. I'm going to love continuing to see the the starting pitching go to work this season. I think it's been a couple of years since we've had a really good group of starting pitchers, so I'm very excited about that. And secondly, I want to look at you know just the group of young guys in general. After we dropped that game one on Friday against St. Bonaventure, Dan runs out there a completely different lineup the vibe in the stadium changes immediately. You throw out there Zion Rose, Corbin Dickerson, Michael Lippy. Uh, those are the first three that come to mind, but I know that there were a lot more who were in that lineup that, that made their debut that night. And just the vibe immediately changes. It was awesome to see the older guys rally around them. It was awesome to see the, the energy that the young guys brought and they came out and took it to St. Bonaventure. And I think that game right there was kind of a, a kick in the teeth for, For the older guys, like, hey, we need to we need to get ourselves together, and because these young guys are are chomping at the bit, and I absolutely love absolutely love watching these young guys play. Yeah, I think two things to me, one you just touched on quite a bit. I don't have a whole lot to add to it. It's just kind of the, the fountain of youth that we're seeing right now. You know, we, we've seen a lot of these guys in the program that have been there for a long time. Your Eddie King Juniors and your JT Bensons and your Isaac Humphreys and Logan Beards. They've given a lot to this program. Uh, but it's, it, you know, right now, it, it's just nice to have options when somebody's in a slump or when somebody gets hurt. So it, it's good to see. Um you know, the first thing you text me when you were at the game on Friday, when this, the lineup was announced for the second game, the first thing you said was the vibe in the whole stadium just changed all of a sudden. You know, there was, there was a little bit more spunk out there in between the lines. You know, they, they, it seemed like they were playing for a little bit more. They're trying to earn their stripes. They're, you know, they're trying to prove themselves to get meaningful innings and at-bats. Um, as, as younger guys, that, that's tough to do. You don't see a lot of freshmen at the University of Louisville playing often. You know, this is a, a developmental program that guys have to come in and, and kind of wait their turn. They don't get on the field immediately. So that's been good to see. I'm optimistic that we have options. Um, I'm happy that these younger guys are pushing the older guys because, you know, at this point in time, they, they know that because Dan has done it, if we don't produce, it, it's a next man up mentality and we're, he's going to find somebody that will. Um, so it's just been good to see the long length of bench and the depth that he's willing to go to and the options that we have this season. So excited about that. And secondly, uh, I, th I think we've gotten back to the, and I touched on a little bit earlier, was the Dan McDonald style of baseball. You know, they're aggressive on the base pass. Entering the EKU game, Louisville was second in the conference in the ACC in stolen bases. You had uh, freshmen um, Moore and JT Benson, both of them in the uh, top two or three, I believe, in stolen bases in the conference. Benson's five of seven, and Lucas Moore is five and nine. Every time you see Lucas Moore on the base pass, I, I feel like he's going to try to steal a base. Like that, that's just kind of his mo when he's out there. So um, just the aggression that he brings, not only defensively but on the base pass as well. And I think I say this every time we record and talk about uh, Lucas Moore, and I'm not going to stop now. 
he was a late flip from Kentucky. You know, he he should have not say should have been. He was going to Kentucky until late in his recruitment. So um, glad to see him because I mean he he's played in every game so far this season as a true freshman. So the the fact that we were able to add him late um, that it, it's been monumental to this team so far. Uh, one one I, I said two things, but I'm going to add one more. I think we've seen growth in this team in the fact that they continue to battle. You know, last year's team, it seemed like they'd get down and it, it, it would kind of get to them between the ears and it, it was tough for them to to battle back as much. It seems like this year's team is a lot more mature. I think we've seen a lot of growth in that area, uh, which is it, – that's it, good to see. You know, the Indiana State game was back and forth. One of the St. Bonaventure game was back and forth. It just, you know, every time they delivered a blow – we deliver another one. So just to see that um, the growth there and the fact that they were able to respond uh, when they faced a little bit of adversity was, was, was definitely good to see. And I think um, that that was a positive, uh, it, you know, it wasn't against the best of teams, but you and I talked about this, the, the fact that they did it and they saw that they can do it and they got that experience um, playing from behind a couple of times, I think, um, I think that could be a good thing. It'll play dividends as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it was what Sunday that we were watching that same Bonaventure game, and Bonnie's put up five in the eighth and tied it at eleven. We're like, okay, like we need to respond, and we we need to respond now. And sure enough, you go out there and score eight eight runs in the eighth inning. Like, okay, that that's quite the response. And mm-hmm. you and I both noted to each other like last year's team. I don't don't think that they would have come up with that. Certainly would not have scored eight runs that inning. Uh, so it's it's awesome to see that growth, um, you know, from from year to year. And I'm super excited to see how that carries over as we start start getting into, into some tougher competition here. Yeah, I think that was um, that that was the game that we were talking about exactly. You know, they they fall behind. St. Bonaventure puts up a five spot. They fall behind going into the eighth inning, and they just responded and you know batter. And it's just that type of inning after falling behind that late in the game is not something we saw often last season. So just seeing, like I said, seeing that growth and just having that experience and being able to um, show that they can battle back and battle through some adversity, it, I think it'll go a long way this season. Yeah, so we touched a lot on first eight games here, you know, what's gone right, what hasn't gone right, and everything in between. Uh, so now let's look ahead. We're moving on to Youngstown State here this weekend, hosting the Penguins, which absolutely love the mascot, big penguin guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much research you've done on the Youngstown State baseball team coming into uh, this weekend's series against Louisville, uh, but they are currently 0-6 this year and have given up of some staggering amount of runs. Their first three against Texas State, they gave up a combined 37 runs over the course of those three games. Next weekend, they hosted College of Charleston and gave up a combined score 29 runs through those three games and had their midweek this week canceled against Pitt. So they have not played since Sunday going into this Friday game. Big opportunity to continue messing with the lineup, um, You know, put up a lot of runs, find pitchers who... You know, maybe you're gonna find you know step into some more defined roles. What exactly are you gonna be looking for as we go into this weekend series? I think this is a this is a stretch of our lineup or our, of our schedule 
the next nine games are really, really important. And they're really, really important because, and I hate to say this, but they're nine games that you really need to win. Like any of these losses that you take against, you know, Youngstown State or Northwestern or Lipscomb, Moorhead State, those are going to be losses like the St. Bonaventure one that just kind of linger around for the rest of the year. So the, these are games that you you really need to see um, what will come out when. It, it, it would be lovely if they could go nine and zero in these games. Is that realistic? No. I mean, we've seen we've seen upsets all over the country. If you just look like the look at the landscape of college baseball this year, you've got UNCW beat Wake Forest on a midweek. Old Dominion beat East Carolina. Stony Brook beat. LSU one game, St. John's beat Florida to start the season, Lehigh beat Iowa. So, you know, to say you have nine must-win games, that's, that's not realistic. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we need to go out there and just continue to build on the growth that we've seen over the last four games. The biggest thing for this team, I think, it, it, it's almost like when you when they got that first win, it was almost like every player lost 100 pounds out on the field. You could just see a sense of relief from all of them. And, it, you, you know, you act like it was a 20-game losing streak. It wasn't. But when you're losing four games in a row at the University of Louisville, like that's a big deal. You know, that's not something that we're very accustomed to around here. So I think we just need to continue to see that steady growth. I think we need to get closer to nailing down our best lineup. You know, in a three-game series, you're going to see – likely three different lineups. That's just that's just the nature of baseball. You're going to have different catchers rotating, which causes different DHs, which causes it, – it's just a chain reaction. So you're going to see different lineups. But when you get to that game that you have to win, who's your lineup? And I think in these next nine games, I think we need to get closer to who that lineup is when everyone's healthy because after those nine games, guess what? It's Virginia Tech. It's ACC ball. So – We've got a big opportunity to take advantage of this home slate to pile on some wins after we lost the first four as we head into uh, Virginia Tech. I'd like to see a little bit of power like we talked about. You know, we've seen a lack of that. I'd like to see the the, the pitching situation um, continue to improve. I think throwing some of the younger guys out, I'd like to see Colton Hartman a little bit more. I think we'll see Parker Detmers more, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, we talked about Patrick Forbes um, battling back from a little injury. Same with Carson Leggett, not 100%. So just just getting everyone healthy over the next uh, couple weeks, nine games heading into ACC play, I think that's the most important thing that we're as close to 100% as we can be come March 15th when we welcome Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, you schedule games like Youngstown State for a reason – and that reason is to get your team acclimated to the gauntlet that is the ACC, giving your team an opportunity to go out there and and win a few games and figure out what that winning formula is going to be so that when you know every game matters, but when the games that really matter show up, then you're going to be a little bit more prepared. With that being said, you know, you're looking at a couple of games against St. Bonaventure. Sunday was pretty close up until the bottom of the eighth inning, you know, a little bit too close for comfort. You lose that first game on Friday. So you got two games in there that were you lose one. And the second one was a lot closer than what it should have been. What I'm going to be looking for over 
the next three games and then you know the bigger picture in the next nine games is beating the ever living hell out of these teams. I want nothing more than to go out and see you know eighteen nothing twenty to one scores like that. That's Louisville baseball that we're used to. Uh, you know that's that's why you schedule these games. You know you're not necessarily padding stats or anything. Uh, but you you want to see these guys go out there and be able to perform against lower level competition to get themselves ready to go against higher level competition and go. So to kind of make a comparison. It's kind of like spring training. You know you're you're going to go out there and you know you haven't seen any you haven't seen anybody besides your own team since last year. So you know go out there and and put some good at bats together, throw some shutdown innings. I would love to see. Guys show a little bit more attitude, a little bit more swagger on the field, you know, get back to what Louisville baseball has been. And I, I think that this team does have the winning formula. And I, I think that's a really good point that you bring up about scheduling these types of teams. I, th- I think going into the season, when you're when you're Dan McDonald, you know, okay, I've I've got a younger group. I'm gonna have to try some different things up front. So I need to schedule some of, of these type teams to play on the front end of your schedule just to give them that collegiate experience. You know, it, it's it's different taking the mound at Louisville than it is in your high school in Illinois or in, in Ohio or Indiana. It, it, it's different. So I think knowing that that's your roster and that's your um, the team that you have and the players that you have available, that they're young, they're youth, they don't have the experience at the collegiate level, I think you schedule some of these games to prepare them for that. So I, I think it's very intentional with what he does with some of these things. Yeah, for sure. And being able to start guys like Parker Detmers and Zion Rose, their first collegiate appearances against a school like St. Bonaventure, that's that's huge instead of running them out there against Wake Forest here in a few weeks. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Looking for a place for some of the best beer and liquor deals in town? Frankfurt Avenue Liquors has you covered. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, to catch some some of the best live local music, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors also has a full-service bar with some award-winning bartenders, some of the best drinks you'll find in town. Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, as the name says, off of Frankfurt Avenue. Check them out today. One thing I kind of want to circle back to that I talked about was when, when, let's say, Louisville's in a must-win game. Let's say we're in a game in the ACC tournament. Let's say the ACC tournament's right now. And we've seen what we've seen so far throughout this team. Who is your go-to lineup right now? Um, Just kind of, let's just circle around the diamond. You don't have to give your, you know, batting order. But just today, must-win game, who's your catcher? Uh, My catcher, I'm going to take, Let's go with Luke Napleton behind the plate. I'll, I'll I take take Napleton behind the plate, which moves Matt Klein over to first base. Yeah, and I agree with both of those one hundred percent. Who's who's at second base? Uh, give me Alex Alisaia. You know, I okay. I love love Dylan Hoy and what he showed those first couple games, but right now it's Alisaia's job. Okay, what about third? Brandon Anderson, hundred percent. Brandon Anderson. Um, at shortstop, Gavin Keelan. Okay, so. <laughs> To be 100 honest, I'll, that's that's my same lineup as well. Uh, you know, we we've talked about this numerous times, and I think we're in agreement that what we've seen so far this season that is that that's our infield. 
Uh, so let's go across the outfield. Who who do you start and lift? See, this is this is where it gets a little bit more tough for me because in if I were to make lineup cards at Louisville, I I absolutely loved the no fly zone era of the Louisville outfield. Loved having three guys out there that could absolutely go get it. And that's not taking a shot at anybody that's on this team right now. Um, but you know, JT Benson is not one of those guys. But that being said, I still would probably put JT Benson in the left field, but not a hundred percent confident in it. But the the numbers right now don't lie. Number the hitting stats that JT's put up through the first eight games are incredible. So you so you got JT in left, who you put in center? Uh give me Lucas Moore in center field. Okay. And let's switch over to right field. Eddie King. Eddie King. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit different of a change. We haven't we haven't really seen Eddie King in right field. So um I think that's another good option. So I, I guess outside of King, your your other outfield options, because right now you've really got six guys competing for innings out there. You've got Benson Moore, Lippy, Dickerson, Isaac Humphrey, and Eddie King Jr. So those are kind of the six that you have out there. Um, but that's an interesting approach. I've never thought about putting Eddie in the right field. All right, let, let's hear your outfield then. And, uh, you know, I go back and forth on this quite a bit. Uh, I'm with you. I love what JT Benson brings to the table. We've had him on the pod before, and JT's just an electric guy on the field, off the field, big personality. Um, I, I think he's deserved that. And like you said, the at this point in time, I mean, the guy's batting 550. I mean, he's got to be out there somewhere. Um, so I, I put Benson in left. I do agree. I, I put Moore in center. Um, he did make a mistake. I believe it was on Sunday. Came in and dove for a ball that he probably shouldn't have that rolled out um, close to the wall. But he, he's a freshman. He's learning. He's growing. He's aggressive. That's what Dan McDonald teaches. And I think, you know, high risk, high reward. You you have to you have to play those things. You know, he, he's got to learn um, – uh, what opportunity or what 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 ball you are more aggressive on and what you're not. So that's going to come. Um, but I really like him defensively. Um, right field, I think, like you said, that that's kind of right now um, what I'm hung up on. I, I never really thought about Eddie Allen Wright until you said that just a second ago. Um, I don't know. Um, I may go with Michael Lippy at this point in time. I, I really like what he's done. Uh, I, I know he's at the plate over the summer. He kind of struggled a little bit. Um, he led the led his summer league, not just the team, his league, I believe, in home uh, in um, I'm sorry, walks and strikeouts. So there's <laughs> you know there's a lot to be said for that. But you know, so far, I think I, I think he's been a bright side or bright spot when he's been put out in outfield. So I really do like what Lippy brings to the table. I mean, I can't. You can't go wrong with Michael Lippy, and it's kind of circling back to more. You know, like you said, love the aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, probably shouldn't have dove for that ball, but I would much rather him attempt to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive and make that dive in a game against St. Bonaventure than you know. Gotta keep circling back to it than against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, so can't go wrong with with, with that outfield out there either. I, th- I think that's a pretty strong three. I think the only reason why. I I considered Michael Lippy and I considered Corbin Dickerson out there. Just would like to see a little bit more. I really like what they've brought to the table so far. 
And my if if they get a lot of run over the next nine games, we could have this conversation in two weeks, and my answers might be completely different. No, I, yeah, that that's it too. And I, you say your answer will be different in two weeks. My answer will probably be different by the time we stop recording this podcast. Like that, that, you know, that's just how up and down we've been with this because you see glimpses of, you know, these players uh, doing very well defensively, um, offensively. And then you see a glimpse of one of them that um, may have a lapse in judgment or, uh, you know, may take a 0 for 3 game. And you're like, well, we've got, you know, you know I kind of talked about earlier, you've got a bench full of outfielders. Like if you got somebody going 0 for 3, put somebody else in. Um, so it, and, and you hate to be that way, but when you have that kind of depth, you really have to, um, I, I feel like you really overthink things sometimes. And I, I think that's hard as a coach, but that's why Dan makes a million dollars and I, I sit behind a microphone. So that's, that's a, that's something that he will um, have to manage. And fortunately I don't have to. All right. So we got, we got our positions lined up. Like you said, there's a lot of talent on that bench. <laughs> Got one more position to fill. Who are you putting at DH? That's a great question. Um, and at this point in time, I guess I would probably go with Zion Rose. I really like Zion. I, I like what he has brought. He hit a home run. He's got one of our four home runs, which as a as a true freshman in your first handful of games, able to do that. That's that's been impressive. Um Obviously, there's no Drew Burris like down at Georgia Tech. The guy's got eight home runs in his first couple weeks of college play as a, as a true freshman, which is absolutely insane. Um, but I think Zion, you know, right now he's he's hitting above 300. Um, I think he's aggressive in the box. I think he's athletic enough to um, make – opposing pitchers, you know, respect him on the base paths as well. So I, I think Zion has a very bright future here. I think getting him those at-bats and getting him that experience now will play massive dividends down the road. And I, I think he's an instant impact guy that can contribute from right now. See, to me, this is the DH spot. There's so many different directions that you can go. And I absolutely love Zion. Like you said, we had him on the pod. Love, Love the kid. And he's going to be an absolute stud. I firmly believe that his picture will be out on the right field wall when it's all said and done. First round draft pick type player. And if I was filling out the lineup card right now, I probably still would put Zion Rose at the DH. Like he's he's definitely my guy. With that being said, you you know there's you go into a, in the scenario that we're in right now a must win game. You're probably in an ACC type format. Would be very interested to see how he looks on the long term. At all, you know, same thing goes for all the freshmen. How do they go through the grind of a college baseball season, and how do they adjust to ACC pitching? Um, so, with that in mind, kind of a way to give Zion a little bit of a break too. I think I would probably look to platoon the DH spot, have Rose hitting from the right side against left-handed pitchers and Ryan McCoy hitting from the left side against right-handed pitchers. I think I, so far I like what I've seen from McCoy this year. I think he's had a lot of hard hit balls. Um, and I think that, you know, I think he's hitting over 300 right now. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I still think McCoy is that power threat against the right-handed pitcher. Um, 
don't I've never been a fan of of lefty lefty matchups. Not not a huge on that. So I definitely would play the matchup there and have him start against right handed pitchers and rows against uh, against lefties. I think that's that's a pretty good way to get both a, a freshman and a, a strong returner into the lineup. You know, moving forward at through through the uh, gauntlet of the season. I will say I really really like the lineup that. Dan ran out on Saturday. I guess it was the game that we went to when we had a, a kind of a, it was almost a hybrid look is what I call it, of some of the older guys and some of the younger guys. Mm-hmm. And he started uh, Zion with the DH and Lucas Moore in center. You had JT in left. You had Matt Klein behind the plate, Brandon Anderson at third, Keelan at short, Isaac Humphrey in right. Ryan McCoy at first and Alisaia at second. I, and I, I really like that lineup. You know, we talked about it while we were there. It was a really good blend of some of the older guys, but some of the youth also. And uh, I, I I think that's, I hope, I don't, I don't, I mean, I have no insight, but I hope that's a lineup that we use some type of variation of going forward because I, I really liked um, the, the mix that he had on that Saturday game against St. Bonaventure. I, I agree. I I do like the the mix of the upperclassmen and the underclassmen. And I think you know, I think that this is the year that define that we see defined roles again. It, the lineup will iron itself out. We have a ton of options, a lot more options that we than we've had in recent years. Somebody's gonna step up. We're gonna we're gonna see a pretty strong starting nine. Maybe not by that first series against Virginia Tech, but maybe week two or week three of the ACC, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what we're all, of what we are going to be rolling with in the tournament. You know, here you know who we play week two of the ACC, right? That's is that the Wake series? It's at Wake, yeah. So uh, I I hope to hell like we've got a, a a solid lineup by that point in time because I'm here to tell you right now if you haven't watched Wake Forest play yet, that weekend rotation is absolutely insane and they, they've got three guys that and Aaron this is this is obviously a lot more in your ballpark that is in mine but I mean they've got three guys that are probably I mean are they all first round guys I think they got between Hardell, Massey and Burns I think you got three top 20 draft picks this year I mean, that's it insane is, it is must see TV I if you have not watched Wake Forest yet I highly Recommend watching them. They just and then you got Nick Kurtz too. First <laughs> base, who's also Nick a first Kurtz round draft is, pick. Yeah, yeah, Nick Kurtz is insane. And there's, I think there's one or two others too who are in the first round conversation that are slipping my mind right now. Uh, but yeah, especially on Saturdays with Chase Burns, that's your, that's a potential number one draft pick right there. But all that to be said, they're they're beatable. You know, UNC. G beat them a couple uh, or last week, I guess, uh, four to three. So, I mean, they, they can be beat. It's not like this team is unbeatable. So, uh, a lot of games between to play between now and then. So, I think if, if we get a, a solid roster set and a solid, solid lineup and a rotation that Dan and Roger are comfortable with, um, you know, let's, let's, we'll talk about this in great detail before that series. But, you know, let's go down to Wake Forest and, you know, beat up the number one team in the country. I don't see why this lineup can't do that. So let's go ahead and flip the script over to one thing that I wanted to just kind of briefly touch on. 
just because I've had some some questions about things is KJ Scobie. He was a longtime commit in the 2024 class, number 285 player in the country. He decommitted from Louisville shortly after he committed to South Carolina. And then over the weekend, actually, <laughs> funny story how this happened. Uh, J.D. Stein, he's a shortstop from Indiana. He's number uh, the number 133rd ranked player in the 2025 class. He decommitted from Louisville over the weekend during the game. And so funny story, Aaron and I, like I said, this is the first time that we've uh, seen each other in person, first game we've attended together. And, you know, we're in between innings. We're, we're on Twitter scrolling and doing our thing. And he looks over. He's like, hey, did you see this? And I was like, hey, did you see this? And at the same time, we show each other our own phone. And it was the, the tweet about J.D. Stein decommitting from Louisville. So uh, just it's not funny because we lost a, a top player in the country. But just just the way it happened, that's just the that's the world we live in. But I, I guess the we've lost some other commits, too. And I'm not super concerned about the others, but these are these are the two biggest ones. What what do you make of or do you make anything of some of the top guys in these classes? decommitting from Louisville it's a different age of college not just baseball but college athletics with NIL and with everything crazy that's going on in this world Um, and that's not to say it's a bad thing I I fully support NIL love NIL but what what do you make of kind of losing some of those top guys in the class and if, if anything uh I'm not sure I I make anything of losing any of these commits i think if you look at our roster this year if you go on on the website and you know, familiarize yourself with the roster you're gonna see a number of guys who are red shirting this year who will not be playing at all then you go look at the class who's coming in in 24 which is a the list of names at the top of that list are very impressive also day one type contributors you know coming into louisville next year I don't think that there's a clear playing path for a lot of these guys. And, you know, if if that is what you are looking for is to be that guy immediately, then this place might not be the place for you. And I, I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's that's a testament to the roster that Dan has built, a very young and very good roster that he has built. Um, I'm I'm not going to lose any sleep about about anybody that we lose. And I think you're 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 right, and, I, and I've talked to some people around the Scobies, and I, and I know the lift because of NIL. It, 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 the facts are facts; it is what it is. But if you also look at that class that Louisville's got coming in, and you and I've talked about, you know that that 2024 and the, the 2025 class because they're both just loaded with talent. But I'm telling you right now, and we'll get way deep into this later. But Kate Elam, he's a shortstop from down in Corbin, Kentucky. Um, he, right now he's 6'2", um, above 200 pounds. He's the quarterback for the football team, which I think they've – I don't think one state, but I know they've made a state championship appearance, at least one. Um, kid can play ball. Um, football, baseball, he's an athlete. So losing a shortstop out of that class, um, I, I think Kate Elam, I think he's fine. He'll hold his own in the class, so I'm not super concerned about it. So um, just something I – People talk about, you know, there's when when people start decommitting and things like that, there's chatter on Twitter. Um, so just wanted to see your thoughts. I, and I'm agreeing with you. I think um, we're fine. We've we've talked to JT about NIL. 
I think the players coming here know this is a developmental program. They know what they're getting when they come in, and they know what they're going to get when they leave. I think Dan makes that very clear to them. I don't think he sells them on anything more than that. And I, I think these guys understand when they come to Louisville what the the flowers they're going to get once they leave here. So um, I think that's that's all that really needs to be said about that as we transition into Aaron's favorite segment, the cards and the pros. Yes. So I'll let you take it from here. Yes, very exciting. We've been – Rambling on for quite a while now, so I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. But spring training is here. Very excited to to be doing this once again this year. If you haven't been following the Louisville Baseball Alumni account, I'm going to plug that right now. Going to be tweeting out all the updates on everybody uh, all year. Everybody from Major League Baseball all the way down to Indie Ball. Uh, super excited to get it rolling again this year. And on that note, we're just going to go over who's in spring training. So, you with that being said, uh, I'm gonna start with Adam Duvall, who is still currently a free agent as of right now. With our luck, he's going to sign before this gets posted. Um, but he is still a free agent. Everybody else who is playing Major League Baseball last year, your Bobby Millers, Will Smiths, Reed Detmers, they're all in camp. Everybody on the 40 man roster. But here is your list of non roster invitees around baseball. You got Zach Britton with the Blue Jays. Nick Solak is with the Mariners. Josh Rogers and Matt Cook are with the Rockies. Riley Thompson, the Cubs. Devin Mann, Royals. Dalton Rushing, Dodgers. And Brendan McKay is back. He is back with the Rays. He's thrown to live batters for the first time since 2022. Super excited to follow Brendan this year. And uh, it's kind of a, a guy who's in a similar spot as Brendan, Nick Birdie. Nick Birdie is back in baseball. He made his major league debut, sorry, not debut, but came back to major league baseball last year after having not having not pitched in the league since 2020. Um, so super excited to see Brendan McKay and Nick Birdie. Heard a lot of good chatter out of both the Rays and Yankees camps about those two. Definitely think we're going to see both of those guys back in major league baseball here very soon, as well as you know a number of guys who I already listed. And moving on to just a couple more free agent signings. Cade McClure signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Lincoln Hensman is back in affiliated ball. He spent last year with the Lexington Counterclocks of the Atlantic League. Uh, he is now a farmhand for the Miami Marlins. Had a super good uh, winter ball stint down in Puerto Rico. Pitched for Team Puerto Rico in the Caribbean Series. Miami loved what they saw. They took a flyer on him, and Lincoln Hensman is now a Miami Marlin. And that's uh, that's all I got on on my end. Just super excited to to be back. Professional baseball is back. College baseball is back. Life is good. Well, so my two takeaways from all of that segment are this: one, thankfully, the Lexington Counterclocks changed their name back to the Lexington Legends because that was the dumbest name in the history. Of baseball at any level so thank god we're back to the lexington legends um down i-64 and second thing just hearing brandon mckay back pitching to live batters it, that's just music to my ears you know that that guy who's drafted but fourth overall handful of years ago at that point in time he was the highest pick ever by louisville cardinal and man he's just it's just been 
one injury after another. So just really happy to see him back and hope that Brendan has a chance to get back to the major league level because if anybody deserves it, it's that dude right there. Yeah, this is this is going to be a big year for uh, for a number of guys. Going to be a huge year. Mm-hmm. And there, there's no doubt in my mind that Brendan is back in Major League Baseball with the Rays this year. hasn't hasn't thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball since 2019. So going on five years now. Which you know, I I read a report earlier that the Rays pitching coach said that there's almost nobody who has ever gone through what Brendan McKay has gone through, and for him to even still be on a mound right now and looking as good as he does is absolutely incredible. So every, everybody should be, should be in Brennan McKay's corner right now. Um, super happy that, that he is back and, and hope hoping for a, a very successful and healthy season for him. Yeah. I'm super excited about Brennan. I actually got so excited about this, that I, I found a old Louisville, uh, actually one of Brendan's Jersey that I found and I, I purchased his. I'm waiting to get that thing framed and get it up on the wall because I'm just just super pumped for him. And uh, yeah, he's not one of the best baseball players to play at Louisville. He's one of the best college baseball players to ever play anywhere, and and he deserves it. The guy's just worked his ass off, and I I hope that he finally gets to um, get back to the the big leagues this year because, man, I'd I'd love to see McKay back on the mound for the Rays at at any capacity, no no matter what his role is. I just I hope uh, I hope he gets the opportunity to get back there. And the last thing I want to touch on, I want to end this podcast on a massive high note. And here we are. At the end of last season, Dan McDonald talked and got a lot of heat about some of his comments about the the facilities here at Louisville. For those that don't know, the facilities at Louisville are they're not very good. Let's just put it that way. They, they, they're not. If you, if you look around the ACC, we are behind many of the programs, even some of the ones that are behind us. We've talked about it on the podcast before. This, this shouldn't be news to anybody. Um, so he kind of had his cry for help, if you will. If you remember the last, last uh, game they played last season because they didn't make the ACC or the NCAA tournament, Dan talked about it down after the game about how he wanted to coach for a uh, uh, administration that only that cared about baseball, they cared about winning baseball. And he kind of went on and on and, and he got more shares and likes and tweets than, than anything that's ever happened for the Louisville baseball program. And now I've seen happen time and time again this year in the first four games that we lost, people were tweeting, Oh, only if they had better facilities, they would have won that game. Or only if they had this, they would have won that game. Well, it was announced this week that the, new locker rooms have been opened and released to the players. And I'm here to tell you right now that this is a game changer for the University of Louisville baseball program. We have been behind the eight ball in this for years. If you had been in the facilities down there, they are not up to par with ACC. They're not up to par with some of the group of five teams. So this sets the standard for locker rooms, in my opinion. And there's a lot of really cool things about it. If you, you just look at the locker rooms themselves, the TVs and, you know, the the neon red lights and the graphics and everything that's in there, the big leather sofas with the Cardinal head, uh, the Cardinal bird head embroidered in them. They've added a barbershop into the locker room this year, which is a, uh, a really, really, really neat addition. Um, they're going to have, if you've seen the pictures and videos, there's a mannequin that the 
the jersey will be put on the mannequin for all the different jerseys that we have and it'll you know it'll change based on what they're going to be wearing and they've upgraded um i mean just it's a complete a complete upgrade from what we had before this is going to allow us to recruit at an even higher level i mean i mean dan has been recruiting top 10 top 15 top 20 classes year in and year out with high school facilities let's be honest if you've looked at the hack uh, the chad mason hack shack there, there's high schools in louisville that have better hitting facilities than that so the, the fact that they've been able to recruit and do what they've been able to do with those facilities is mightily impressive now that they have this um, if you've seen the pro locker room it kind of it, it's very similar to that um it this is going to help play dividends for the for the university um you know the players they love this stuff let's be honest who wants to walk into a high school locker room and that be your 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 home locker room as an acc school so i i think players love this flashy stuff they love the tvs they love the game rooms they love the barbershop so they want to see these things when they go on recruiting visits this is what they're looking for and these things are what's going to set us apart and keep this coaching staff here if they so choose to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you said everything that needed to be said right there. I'm I'm so fired up for this, so fired up for hopefully everything that that is to continue to come. Uh, this is a huge step in the right direction. Absolutely love to see the players enjoying this stuff, and I'm very excited to see what uh, what Dan and his staff can can do with it. And let's while we're on here, not that he listens to it, but and and this has been very well documented. You know, Henry Davis was the lead donor in this, so a, a lot of this happened because of him. So the fact that we've got some of our former guys that are coming back and giving back to this program and allowing some of the younger guys to experience things that he wasn't able to. You know, Henry came through here with the less than ideal facilities that we had at that point in time. So he, he's he's made a decision that I don't want Louisville baseball players to have those facilities anymore. That's massive. So I think that that shows the relationship that this coaching staff builds with their players. And, you know, the fact that they're giving back to us is just going to um, continue the – the depth and the trajectory of this program. So just, just super, super excited. Um, I can't emphasize that enough, how big this is for the University of Louisville baseball program to have a level playing field with the rest of the teams in their conference. So that is all we have for tonight, and we will be back in no time as we continue to um, get through this schedule. Uh, we plan on providing content to you all all season long. So in the meantime, Aaron, I know things are about to ramp up for you. Call or Pro Ball is starting to ramp up hot and heavy. You send me stuff almost uh, daily of who's doing what and where this guy is and where that guy is and who got traded and who signed. So um, I know most of them, hopefully, that listen to this follow you. But if not, uh, tell tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, if you want to follow me on my personal account, I don't really tweet a lot there, but I'll plug in anyways. You can go follow me on Twitter at AJTURN22. Or you can go follow the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report to catch all the Louisville Pro updates. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefcovic or on Card Chronicle. I post some pregame stuff, postgame stuff, just kind of recaps throughout what happens 
during the week as well. So find me on Card Chronicle if you wish to uh, come across any of my written material as well. But in the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark.